Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, Unwritten Rule fans, you can catch us every Monday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Believe Unwritten and enjoy the show. Attention, everybody stop what you're doing. It's time for The Unwritten Rule, a Mizzou sports podcast brought to you by the Believe Network, alongside Peyton Haverman and Kenny Van Doren. Here is your host, Jack Knowlton. Welcome back to The Unwritten Rule. And Mizzou football has its biggest game of the season upcoming. Um, The Tigers have been killing it, obviously, all year. Um, And now they're playing LSU in a game where they are stunningly ranked ahead of, of the Bayou Bengals, who they're welcoming in on Saturday. Um, huge game, obviously. Um, so we had to we had to bring back uh, an expert, our favorite expert, friend of the show. It's PFF's Max Chadwick, host of the Preferred Walk On Show as well. Um, the you know I would say best non-Mizzou related college football show out there. Although <laughs> with how much Luther Burden they've been talking about, uh, you know, they, I guess it is a Mizzou football show uh, at this point. But Max, welcome back first and foremost. And my first question is, um, how many meatball subs have you had since uh, we talked last? Dude. I don't think any man, honestly, oh. I, I'm, uh, I'm trying to cut back a little bit. I, I'm not, I'm not going cold Turk or anything like that, but I'm trying to cut <laughs> back a little bit uh, and try to eat healthier a little bit. Cause as you guys know, during football season, it just gets, it's impossible like to, to get, maintain a healthy lifestyle really in the field that we're in. So um, yeah, I'm trying to cut back a little bit, but I, I, now that you mentioned it now, I'm starting to crave it a little bit too. Oh. So maybe I will, maybe I will hit up subway after this. And, well, uh, I intro to you as the meatball guy per our last, <laughs> our last, uh, encounter. So, I mean, I right. think you gotta, you gotta live up to that, to that <laughs> name. Um, but yeah, so, you know, welcome back obviously. And, and just diving into it on the, on the Missouri side first, we've listened to to some of your show and obviously, you know, you've talked about some of these guys, but just you know, being the, the college football expert that you are knowing um, and, you know, kind of the big landscape of stuff. Um, what's your take on Mizzou season so far and how impressed have you been with uh, with their performances? Oh, I've been blown away, man. I, I think what they've done so far this season has been fantastic. I mean, you you can make the argument before the season started that Eli Drinkwitz was starting to get a little bit on the hot seat. He was definitely getting a little warmer uh, with, you know, just being an average coach, really, for his first four seasons i believe right before this this up this season so he was kind of an average coach now all of a sudden they're five and oh man uh they're number 21 in the country i have them number 17 in the country right now i think they're even too low in the ap poll but even number 21 that's their highest ranking in eight years so this is a great missouri team right now they're five and oh for the first time in a decade as well so this is a really good team man that offense with kirby moore the new offensive coordinator who we uh, on the most recent show when, when we previewed this game, uh, Dalton and I both talked about Kirby Moore and how great of an impact he's had. And he could be a head coach down the line, honestly, with how amazing he's been as an offensive coordinator. Brady Cook looks like a completely new quarterback from what he showed a year ago. And that receiving core, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a little bit, is loaded, man. So, yeah, I mean, Missouri is a really good team. they got a good secondary and a good linebacker core as well. The offensive line is playing phenomenal. This is a sneaky team and I think deserves to be in the top 20 and they're right now number 21. 
We're going to get back to the interview with Max Chadwick in just a minute. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all of your sports wagering info with the with all the up-to-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from both the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. I know we use them uh, for our Best Beats of the Week segment and for our um, NFL picks too. So Bet Online's great from week one all the way to the college football playoff and the Super Bowl. Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V, BELIEVE, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And now back to our interview with Max Chadwick. Obviously, uh, the the focus is going to be, as you mentioned, the receiving core, particularly Luther Burden. I know you've sang his praises a ton uh, on Twitter. I mean, Luther Burden, I mean, we expected a big jump, I think, out of him, uh, just becoming the bona fide guy, moving into the slot. But, I mean, what's your take on him so far? Because, I mean, he, I mean, it's just kind of been, he surpassed even every, our lofty expectations, and he's arguably been the most impactful receiver in the country. Oh, I think he has been. And, you know, before the season started, remember last year, Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't win the Politnikoff Award, and which was a crime in my opinion. So going into this year, I was like, okay, he's pretty much a shoo-in in my opinion to win the Politnikoff this year because he didn't last year. Right now, Luther Burden's your Politnikoff Award winner, man. He has been the best receiver in college football as just a true sophomore. Uh, leads them all, leads all receivers in the country in overall grade, uh, 92.1 grade. He has the most receiving yards in the country at 641, most yards after the catch in the power five with 400 as well. He has been, I keep comparing him to Debo Samuel. I mean, you put the ball in his hands, he's going to break tackles and make something happen. He's a good route runner too. He's a good deep receiver as well. It's not like you just, he's just a short and intermediate weapon. Uh, Luther Burden third, in my opinion, has been the best receiver in college football. And you guys are fortunate enough that he's only a true sophomore. He has to come back to school next season. And I think he'll be the number one receiver in next year's draft. And I was a little early to be talking about the 2025 NFL draft. But if you're looking for who some of the top prospects are already for next year's draft, Luther Burden III, in my opinion, is clearly the number one receiver. And he's been the best receiver in the country so far this season. We talked about this in our in our last episode about you know the uptick in just usage uh, through twelve games last year he had forty five receptions through five games this year he's at forty three the carries have gone away it's more of just seeing him in the passing game what are some of those factors you know we talked about getting an OC Dominic Lovett leaving for Georgia I mean yeah. his second year in the SEC what's really just stood out about Luther Burden what's contributing to like just more success than last year. Yeah, I think it starts with, honestly, just his development. I mean, last year, you know, you, you could look at his stats from last year and how he's taken a jump this year, and it's like, wow, like he really has become a whole new player. And it's like, yeah, because, you know, he was a true freshman last year. You know, so no matter how highly rated you are coming out of high school, it is always hard, difficult to, to make an impact as a true freshman, especially in the SEC. He was a guy that was a number three overall recruit coming out of high school. Like, this isn't some guy who just came out of nowhere. Like, this is a guy that Missouri fans were very, very excited about. Probably the highest rated recruit since maybe Doriel Green Beckham. I mean, you guys can probably correct me on that if there's anyone else that, that came up. But I think he's the highest rated recruit since then. And they obviously have a defensive lineman coming in next year uh, who should be uh, really, really fun as well. But, 
Yeah, man, Luther Burden, I, I think it's just development, that he just developed into one of the best receivers in the country as a sophomore. You always kind of see these sophomore jumps from the superstars. It's very rare that you see a, a guy come in as a true freshman and dominate like Caleb Williams or Trevor Lawrence did. It's rare, but he's really developed as a sophomore and is going to be even scarier as a junior, man. He's, like I said, he's going to be the best receiver in the country heading into next season because he is the best receiver in the country this year. But I also think Kirby Moore – um, has also done a really good job of u- utilizing Luther Bird in the third in a lot of different ways. Um, and also Brady Cook ha- has taken a jump as well. So all those factors kind of married into one and made Luther Bird in the third, in my opinion, the, the number one receiver in college football right now. I want to I want to segue off that a bit because you mentioned Brady Cook and, you know, obviously the guy, you know, throwing Luther Burden the ball and the jump he's made. I mean, we had just before we started recording, he won the the Manning Award of, of this week. He had a 91.1 PFF grade that you guys gave gave to him for his performance against Vandy. I, I was thinking about this and, and maybe dumb question, but just, you know, your first of all, I want your thoughts on Brady Cook in general. But I was thinking about the SEC and just the, the quarterbacks there. How many SEC teams right now would not trade their quarterback for Brady Cook? Oh, good question. Because he is balling right now, man. Um, I got to think about that for a second. I honestly, it sounds weird. I think Jalen Moreau has really turned it on uh, yeah. recently. So I, I would say he's probably a guy that Alabama would stick with. Um, but you look at the other schools right now. Carson Beck's played really well. I think he's a really good quarterback. Spencer Rattler has been kind of up and down, but I think they would stick with him. Jaden Daniels, I think, has been by far the best quarterback in the SEC this season. So I think LSU would stick with him. Um, so I'm looking at it right now. I'm trying to think maybe hmm, – that's a good question. I think there are definitely a few – there are definitely some teams that, that could use an upgrade. Like I think Ole Miss would stick with their quarterback. I think Arkansas would stick with their quarterback in KJ Jefferson and Ole Miss with Jackson Dart. But I think Mississippi State would take him because Will Rogers does not look very good at all. Um, A&M is an interesting one because they're on their backup for the rest of the season, but Max Johnson's also looked really good. Yeah, Tennessee might honestly take Brady Cook, man. Joe Milton III has been so up and down so far this season, so I think he, he might be the starter there. He might be the starter at Florida with Graham Mertz. Kentucky's an interesting one, too, because Devin Leary's not great, uh, so that might be another one. So, yeah, there, there's only a few um, SEC schools that I would say Brady Cook wouldn't start at, which is funny because I, I remember when I went on the show uh, in the preseason and you guys were talking to me about the potential of, you know, the backups to, to maybe take over this job in the for Missouri. So now that we're talking about Brady Cook, I mean, it, it really, as one of the top quarterbacks in the conference, it really shows how good he's been. And right now he has the fifth highest graded quarterback in the SEC right now. So he has been phenomenal. I mean, last year he was 94th in the country in passing grade. Now he's 17th in the country in passing grade. And um, my co-host Dalton actually pointed this out. I think before this season, he had like 19 big-time throws and 20 turnover-worthy plays in his career. This year, he has 11 big-time throws and two turnover-worthy plays. So he is making great throws down the field, not putting the ball in harm's way. When in his, in his past, all what he's done has been not you know making great throws downfield and still putting the ball in harm's way. So – he has become a, a radically different quarterback, and he's definitely one of the most improved quarterbacks that we've seen so far this season. Yeah, and you've touched on it before. I mean, with Luther Burden just ab- absolutely skyrocketing, Brady Cook improving so much. You've touched on Kirby Moore. Um, one thing he's also done, he's been able to get just so many other weapons involved while keeping yeah. Luther Burden 
the bona fide number one. Um, you mentioned you think maybe Kirby Moore could be a head coach one day, but I'm just curious, what is it that he's changed about Missouri's offense that you think has worked so well? And do you have, do you think it'll really continue into the future? Yeah, I think it will. And I think there are definitely – there's a few receivers that they have at, at Missouri that uh, he's done a really good job of utilizing them. And Theo Weiss – obviously coming in, um, who has been a really, really good transfer from from Oklahoma. He's been playing well. Mookie Cooper is there as well. Um, you know, Cody Schrader's been a good, pretty good running back this year as well. Um, so I, I think what he's done, and, and my co-host Dolan, again, did a really good breakdown of this is more the X's and O's guy than I am. But he said it is a lot like the Sean McVay offense, where it's like it's not very complicated scheme-wise, but what makes it special is that, um, they're running very efficient plays from a lot of different alignments. So you're not seeing, you know, it's not just one play. That you say, okay, they're lining up in this fashion. We know what's coming. He's lining up in different fashions and still getting to those, you know, highly efficient plays. So he's done a really good job of drawing up the offense. It helps when you have a superstar receiver and Luther Bird in the third. But if you're looking for one of the biggest reasons why I think Brady Cook has become the quarterback he is this year, I think it is Kirby Moore. And I think, you know, Luther Burden, I would say, is just a, is a flat-out superstar. And, like, now is it's, it's definitely helped that he's got a really good offensive coordinator. It's definitely helped that his quarterback is a lot more consistent. But um, he's he's always going to be a superstar. But Brady Cook, that has really been the, the big factor for him is that he has a great offensive coordinator now who's putting him in a position to succeed. And he's got a great receiving core that's also putting him in a, in a position to succeed. In, and the offensive line has really played well, too, with Javon Foster leading the way. So, yeah, I think that offense really is humming right now. And LSU could be scared, man, because they got some uh, some definite problems, especially on the back end of that defense. I'm glad you brought up a little bit earlier about when, when last time you were on here, we talked about, like, Sam Horn and how yeah. he could maybe take over quarterback. We didn't really think that – Brady Cook would make these jumps. He surprised everyone. He has really grown as a quarterback, as a leader. I even remember joking, why isn't he on your your podcast yet? When are we going to see him um, interview with you? And one of the guys you've interviewed is, you know, is facing the Tigers this weekend and Jaden Daniels. Yeah. What can we really know about him and kind of learn about his game? And you, you mentioned him. He's the best SC, best quarterback in the SEC right now. Dude, he is, he is being robbed by his team of being a top Heisman candidate. He has been a fantastic quarterback so far this season. The problem is, is that uh, it's kind of the Drake May effect where it's like the UNC team just around him isn't good enough. The LSU team around him, at least defensively, is not good enough. You know, they, they have so many problems. But Jaden Daniels, last year, you know, in his career at Arizona State, he was a really good runner. He was a terrible terrible passer especially in the pocket like he was awful so when he transferred to Arizona to LSU I was saying okay like I don't know how much I'm you know buying stock into this working out to his credit last year he became a great passer and he still was a great runner too um but you know he became a really good passer especially like when he's on the move and stuff this year he's taken another jump where he has become an excellent pocket passer for LSU and he's one of the best most accurate quarterbacks throwing the deep ball and he's got that amazing receiving core that he's got right now. And Malik Neighbors, who is on fire. I mean, if you're looking for the Blitnikoff, you know, uh, two of the Blitnikoff finalists, they're probably playing in this game in terms of Luther Bird in the third and Malik Neighbors. Like, they are both playing outstanding. Not only him, but Brian Thomas, too, is playing lights out football, too, at receiver for them. So he is two receivers that you guys are definitely going to have to 
you know, keep an eye on in this game. But Jaden Daniels is getting in the ball downfield, and he is really – I've been blown away by his development from a guy who really just was a really good runner but really couldn't hack it as a passer. Last year, improved as a passer, but still was mostly great because of his rushing ability. This year, he can run the ball when he needs to, of course, but he's become one of the best pocket passers in the country. So his development from his time at Arizona State to now has been unbelievable, in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I mean, he's a great kid. You can check out the interview I did with him as well. Um, he should be one of the top Heisman candidates. It's, it's unfortunate that he, he really isn't right now, and they're not really in the playoff picture because they've already had two losses so far this season. So uh, it's unfortunate for him that his defense is kind of letting him down, but he is don't, – don't get me wrong. He has still been one of the best quarterbacks in college football so far this season. And I don't know if you know this, Max, but Jaden Daniels came to Mizzou two years ago when he entered the transfer portal Arizona State. There was a lot of belief that he was coming to Mizzou to compete with Brady Cook for that starting job before the 2022 season. He actually, I I didn't know about this, learned this a bit later, that sometimes players do sign letters of intent for the places they visit just in case they do actually commit to there and they can go there. And someone saw that he did sign one, but he ended up going to LSU instead. So now those two quarterbacks, two of the best in the SEC, facing off this weekend. Yeah, man, I, I'm trying to th- – because I, I did ask him in the interview. Hold on, let me see. I did ask him in the interview. I always love asking people who transfer to school. They're like, hey, can you break the hearts of another school? Like, what school would you have gone to if he uh, didn't go to uh, LSU? And um, Oklahoma. Okay, so he said Oklahoma would have been the school that he would have gone to if he didn't go oh, to okay. LSU. So that that was his number two. But as, at his, I actually did not know that at Missouri. He didn't mention that at all. But uh, that is interesting that it was one of the one of the schools that he was looking at. But – yeah, when I talked to him and I asked him, like, can you break the hearts of another school? He did tell me Oklahoma would have been the school he, he would have ended up at if he didn't go to LSU. Even though Oklahoma's not yet in the SEC, I think that would have been more upsetting to Mizzou fans given the <laughs> yeah, historic rivalry if he had if he had gone there instead of LSU. Um, but yeah, you you also literally answered my next question, which was going to be how how can or I guess you know talking about the firepower of LSU. But I'll get to this. I guess you know you mentioned neighbors Brian Thomas Jr. We know about Daniels and and what I've learned also from the from this past week since Saturday is that their defense is just that bad. But yeah. for Mizzou's defense, I mean, this was coming into the season, I think, a unit that we expected to sort of carry the load for, mm-hmm. um, you know, how good and, and determine really how good this team is, is going to be. And it's it's sort of flipped the other way at the start of the season. This defense has still been rock solid overall. I mean, Chris Abrams drain has now he's gone three games in a row with an interception. Um, But just, you know, how can Mizzou's defense slow down this LSU, particularly passing attack and and do enough to help its own offense out on Saturday? Yeah, I I think I think Missouri is in a decent position. I don't think they're going to slow down LSU. I think this game's going to be a shootout, honestly, if you're asking me. Um, But I do think in a shootout, Missouri might be better equipped with the secondary that they have, because like you mentioned, Chris Abrams dream has been phenomenal so far. This season. you mentioned three games in a row with a pick. He's an 87.8 coverage grade so far this season. He has been great. And Ennis, Ennis Rakestraw jr. Has also played really well so far this season. So they have a good secondary and I, I ranked Missouri as one of the top 10 secondaries in the country entering the season. So they have a good secondary. Is it going to hold up against Jaden Daniels and Malik neighbors and Brian Thomas jr. Which are, probably one of the best trios in terms of passing attacks in college football. No, it's not going to straight up stop them. You know, they're not going to score 14 points on Missouri. They're going to score a lot of points, but Missouri has a better chance. I think of, of being more efficient against LSU, because like I said before, LSU secondary uh, is really in a tough spot right now. And unfortunately, you know, one of the 
worst news to come out of the week was one of LSU's starting safeties, Greg Brooks, uh, unfortunately just developed cancer. So he's, he's going to be out for a while. So obviously all prayers to him. But as another member, you know, one of your star players in, a, in an already struggling secondary that isn't going to be able to play. So um, I, I think that Missouri will be able to, to do better because they have the secondary that's playing really well. Um, the linebacker unit has been a little disappointing. I'm not going to lie. That, that was kind of one that I was really high on entering the season. Uh, Tyron Hopper was a guy I loved. He only has a 57.1 grade so far this season. Um, so yeah, he hasn't really played that well. And I, I'm blanking on the other linebacker that I liked a lot too, but he has oh, Chad Bailey, right? Chad Bailey. Mm-hmm. Um, he, has he been out? I haven't paid much attention, but he, I don't see him too much. He missed, uh, the first two games straight up with a, injury and he they've been working him back in slowly and it's been chuck hicks for yeah. uh most of the season next to hopper okay yeah so yeah i i don't even see him in our in our database in terms of getting oh chad bailey actually on the snaps he's played which is about 100 he actually has an 86.8 grade so he has actually played really well so hopefully um he will be back for them uh in this game but yeah i, I love the linebacker unit i love the i love the secondary missouri has um the defensive line is you know fine but uh, I, I think, you know, Darius Robinson has really played well for the Tigers this year. I think they're more equipped to handle a shootout a little bit better than LSU, yeah. whereas LSU, it's, it really is going to be a struggle for them to really uh, get pressure on Brady Cook with that offensive line playing well and then slowing down those receivers that Brady Cook can throw to as well. So I, I think your second, I think Missouri's secondary it's probably better equipped than LSU's to, to handle, even though I, I would take the trio of Daniels, Neighbors, and Brian Thomas. I would take that trio over Brady Cook, uh, Luther Bird, and, and Theo Weiss. But I just think Missouri's secondary is a lot better than LSU's, and I think that's why uh, I think it's a little bit of a better matchup. They might be more well-equipped to make that last-ditch stop when it, yeah. when it matters. Makes sense. Makes sense. Sounds similar to another Mizzou-LSU game in the past. Um, <laughs> but – uh, you mentioned Mizzou's O-line there, and it kind of tracks with what I think we've talked about. When they're not committing penalties, it has been a much improved unit in keeping Brady Cook upright. Even run blocking, it seems like it's improved. Uh, Connor Tolleson, I know in particular, uh, has graded out pretty well at center, uh, which is surprising to me uh, just based off what he was last year. But, I mean, what has really gone right for this Mizuo line has it really just been a collective improvement I know you mentioned Javon Foster is just a really rock solid left tackle but I mean who else has really uh, stood out on that line yeah so Foster is one of the big ones uh, right now he's the third highest graded tackle I believe at least in the power five he's right now third in the power five with an 85.3 grade and great in run blocking great in pass protection so it has an 80 plus grade in both aspects like you mentioned, Connor Tolleson, man, has really stepped up, and he's been a, one of the best centers probably in the country so far this season. He's currently uh, second among uh, among Power 5 centers in overall grade this season. Not a great pass blocker still, uh, but he is really dominant in the run game. So he's played really well. And, yeah, man, I mean, Missouri's offensive line has really stepped up, and I, I think you have you know an All-American candidate in Javon Foster at left tackle. You have another All-American candidate in Connor Tolleson at, at center in terms of how he's playing so far this season. Uh, Xavier Delgado has played well. Armand Membu has played well. Even Cameron Johnson has a 65-plus grade. So all five starters on the offensive line have graded above a 65. 
And I think offensive line receiving core is one where you want superstars. You want Luther Burton, the third, instead of just, you know, average to above average receivers, you want, like, you really want a superstar and then, you know, have average to, you know, maybe even below average receivers to compliment him. Offensive line is one where you kind of want average to above average across the board instead of superstars. And Missouri's lucky that they have that. They have a, a, above average players across the board. And they also have right now two stars in Javon Foster and Connor Tolleson. So uh, this offensive line, I think, has been one of the best in college football so far this season. I think a big part of it is just that none of them have really looked out of place and none of them have really struggled so far this season. All five of them, like I said, are, are 65 plus in our grading system right now. So yeah, the offensive line is playing really well and, and giving Brady Cook and those running backs a lot of holes and giving Brady Cook a lot of time to uh, to throw the ball too. For those that might not know a lot about, you know, the grading at PFF, is 65 just more of like the average for any offensive lineman? And I mean, what is like that elite number that you're seeing? Yeah, the elite number is like 85 plus, like you're a stud. Like that. that's really, and when you get into the 90s, like then you're a really, really st- star player. Um, so in the eight, even in the eighties, you're a great, great player. Seventies, like I would say you're an above average player and then 65 plus is like, okay, like that's starter worthy basically. So yeah, I mean the fact that all of them are starter worthy and the fact that none of them are struggling. I mean, like I said, there's two guys who have an 80 plus 80 plus grade. So two guys who are studs. Uh, then you have another two guys in Delgado and Membu who are 70 plus grades so far this season, which are like above average. And then you got Cameron Johnson with a 66.2 grade. That's fine. Like that's an average like offensive lineman. So uh, yeah, those are pretty much the uh, all five of them. And the fact that there hasn't been a below average player in that offensive line, it says a lot and shows how much they're dominating right now. Another question just came to mind for me is Makai Wingo. Uh, I mean, he, he transferred from Mizzou after his freshman season. I don't yeah. know much, how, how much you know about Makai. I don't know if a lot of Mizzou fans really, you know, want to know anything more about it, but I kind of want to know, like, what can he, you know, do to this offensive line? What can he test um, from from his position? Yeah, he's revenge game. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, he, he actually uh, – I think I remember – I had him in my top ten defensive tackles entering the season. Um, he has been really good so far. He's an 80.4 grade. He, he has really been one of the star players on this defensive line for, for LSU, and a lot of people thought Mason Smith – would be the guy that you have to keep an eye on. But Mason Smith's really not played too well. And he's a guy who a lot of people think could be a first-round pick in the NFL draft because of how freaky he is. But Makai Wingo has been the, the better player. He's a really good run run defender. He's a really good pass rusher, too. He's kind of an all-around stud for LSU. So, yeah, it could be a, a tough matchup. for. But, you know, like I said, Connor Tolleson has done really well, at least in the run game. Um, so that'll be a fun matchup to watch, but you know, Makai Wingo might have the advantage on him when it comes to passing down. So, uh, he's definitely a defensive lineman that Missouri fans should be keeping an eye on even though, uh, he did leave Missouri uh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> Uh, is there a, is the Kenny asked about the PFF grading? Is there something that factors in for centers who occasionally snap the ball to their quarterback when they're looking at the sideline? Cause, uh, <laughs> Connor Tolleson for as good as he's been still has done that like a few times. Cause they'll do like a fake, like a fake, like cadence and Brady cook will be looking the other way and clap and Connor Tolleson. Will, it's, it's made our hearts drop, uh, when we've watched, but we, I will say we do look at everything. Um, I don't know if that goes into the grading, but I, if, yeah. there is, if, if Brady does fumble the ball, um, I don't know if that would be charged to him or not. Like if it was a bad, if it's a bad snap, it gets charged to the center for sure. Um, yeah. But if, if, if it just hits him in the chest when he's not looking, that might still be charged to the center. 
Um, yeah, we do look at everything. We try to be as, yeah. as perfect as possible. Look, the grades are not perfect. I'm not going to sit here and say they are. But we try to be as perfect as possible and look at every single factor in, in every <laughs> yeah, play. Um, but, yeah, that might be, that might be a, a factor in why his uh, pass protection grade is, is a little bit lower than his run block grade right now. No, the grading system is awesome. I'm just, I think for Connor Tolleson, <laughs> you might just, have to, might just have to do the eye test yourself. I'm just, just right. for him. I'm going to put that out there. Right. Um, but yeah, that you know that'll be that'll be obviously an interesting matchup um, with him and, and Makai Wingo. This isn't even a question, uh, really, Max. But I'll just let you on our show uh, if you want to continue to sing any praise you have about Harrison Mevis. Uh, the floor is the floor is yours. We haven't spoke we hadn't spoken since obviously the big kick against Kansas State, um, and and he still he still has not been not been bad since then. He sent one um, off the scaffolding at a. At Vandy, so that yep. was that was pretty funny. Had a nice construction site kick, but there you go. Um, yeah. You can just sing any praise you'd like. No, I, I appreciate it, man. And I, again, I, I talked to you guys before this, and I was appreciative of the that you guys sent out the clip of me singing his praises because uh, I thought he was one of the best kickers in the country, and it looked pretty good when he kicked. What was it sixty-three yards, sixty-four yards? Well, uh, okay, so yeah, it was, it was an insane, insane kick, but uh, longest in SEC history. Uh, He's been kind of up and down though. I, I'm not gonna lie; like he hasn't really played as well as that as that kick would indicate. Um, he's missed two extra points so far this season. He's three seven for ten on field goals, and, and I'm looking at it right now. Uh, so yeah, he hasn't really played as well as I, I would have hoped. Um, but uh, I missed one extra point, excuse me, and three field goals. So a little bit up and down, but he does have an absolute you know cannon of a leg, and uh, he's he's played well, man. So I I mean. We'll see. Well, hopefully he gets a little more consistent because he does have a huge leg. It's just the accuracy is not all the way there. But uh, he's got the leg strength to uh, be an NFL kicker down the line. It's just about whether or not he can you know, be more consistent, which he hasn't really been so far this season. Uh, just like moving one – Peyton, one thing I'm going to jump in here about the Harrison Mevis <laughs> question is that you talked a little bit about the snap and you know, watching every single play. At the beginning of the season, there was like some questions about the holding uh, of you – know, on those the field goals, there were some issues with the snaps as well. Is that something you kind of factor in if the ball's a little wobbly and they're almost kicking it just off the ground instead of just upright? Yeah, we do have long snapping grades. We do have uh, holding grades, I think, as well. You literally grade every player and every play in every game. So okay. that does play a part. I mean, I don't – I don't envy those people that have to grade. I, I was going to say, you got to be, you got to be an ultimate football guy to just oh, watch all to, that. Dude, film it's it's and grade that. insane. And, and we like, it's not just Joe Schmoe's grading this. Like, I don't, I don't grade. Yeah. Anything. Um, we have people that are trained by like, um, our punting grades are like NFL punters, like trained our guys to like what we should be looking for. And like offensive line, the same way, like, Hey, this is what you should be looking. For. So it's not perfect. We, like we don't know the scheme. Um, which plays a lot of the part too, but we, we have a good idea based off, you know, all the teaching that former players have given us and a lot of other people have given us to former coaches as well. So um, yeah, we do grade uh, long staffers. We do grade holders. Um, I don't know how much goes into that, but uh, yeah, we do grade them. So it would play a part too. Just, I, I'm sure that's music to Kenny's ears. He's the long snapper <laughs> yeah, big, and holder. Big special teams for Love that. long snappers. Um, Underrated position. It is. But um, hey, they're they're important. Um, I just one more question for me. Uh, now that you've seen how Mizzou has played through five games, and obviously it was the easier part of their schedule, what is maybe? What would you maybe um, predict this Mizzou team to kind of finish at? Like, I don't, not even necessarily 
a record prediction, but like maybe what's the ceiling for this team? Is it like just a pretty decent bowl game? Do they have New Year's Six potential? What is your kind of ceiling that you would place on this game? That's a good question. Uh, Ceiling-wise, I mean, I know they play uh, Georgia later on. I do think they're beating LSU this weekend. Um, So I I think that's a win for them, and I think they're going to go, what, 6-0? I think they're probably – and they got Kentucky after that at Kentucky. I like Kentucky a lot. Um, I would say they're probably going to lose three games – if I had to predict, so we go nine and three. Um, yeah, I would probably say three games. So nine and three. Uh, so I would say nine and three. Worst case, I, I mean, not worst case, but I think if you're making a prediction right now, maybe eight and four. Like maybe they slip up a couple times, but uh, I still think eight and four, nine and three. Like that's a great record for them, man, compared to what they've been in the past. So uh, yeah, I would say probably nine and three. And yeah, the nine and three team, probably top. 15, 20 team in the country at the end of the season. Probably not a New Year's Six Bowl team, but they are probably going to get a really, really good non-New Year's Six Bowl out of it for, for how good they've been this season. I can I can guarantee if you told Mizzou fans 8-4 and four, 9-3 and three preseason, any one of them would have taken that all yeah. the way. So yeah. Yeah, def- definitely, not, definitely not a bad one. Um, Kenny, do you have something? Yeah, yeah, my last question here. It's kind of a fun one. I'll you, – don't feel bad if you don't know any of these names I'm about to say, but we're a Brett Norfleet podcast. He's the we freshman tight that. end for the Tigers. I mean, Mizzou hasn't had like a dominant tight end, a really well-known tight end since Albert O, but we like yeah. Brett Norfleet. We like Jordan Harris, who it just came out of nowhere too. Uh, he, he really didn't start playing football until two years ago. One of the best blockers we've seen. What can you kind of tell us that the grades are saying about those guys? Yeah, Norfleet, I'm looking at it right now. Norfleet's uh, the highest grade tight end that you guys have right now, 67.8. He's not the starter, obviously, with, with okay. Tyler, Tyler Stevens there, uh, but he is pretty clearly the, the highest graded one so far. So 72.6 receiving grade, um, decent blocker too. Uh, yeah, man, he's, he's an excited player. And you said he's a true freshman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. That's a good, I mean, he's playing well. So, I mean, he, he had a great game against Kansas State. Um, he's a good player, man. I, I mean, I'm excited for him to uh, see what he could do in this uh, the rest of his career, man. Like I said, they haven't really had a great tight end since, since Albert O. Uh, I'm not going to say Northley can be that guy, but he's a massive, massive tight end. He's like 6'7", uh, 235. So, uh, he's a fun, fun player to watch for sure, man. With with that size he's got there, and I mean, yeah, with him and Luther Burden next year, uh, I'm not sure if Brady Cook has any eligibility watch after this season, but uh, that could be a fun duo that they could have next year. I think he has one more year because he's technically yeah. a year younger than the three of us. So okay. I think this would be like his senior season because he is an SEC graduate, but I think he still has one more year because gotcha. he graduated early. A COVID yeah. year in the red shirt style. It, it never makes yeah. sense. No, it's, we don't even know. It's, it's Does awesome. he know? I mean, there's the he might he might end up like the Miami kid who's going to be there for a ninth season or whatever sure. the hell I saw. Yeah, I, I would be a seventh year guy right now. I'm I'm very excited to finally remove all the class of 2020 yeah. recruits because then it's like finally we can get back to normal because so many six year seniors still we're now still six year seniors for the next couple of years probably. Um, so yeah, it, it is kind of the COVID stuff has really screwed everything up, but, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited for Norfolk for sure though. Yeah. Yeah. We, we are, we are big supporters. We saw him make like one catch and we were hooked. Um, <laughs> the, the, the last question I just have for you, Max, on that kind of more general note, I do just want to get your take. Like we're obviously a Mizzou driven, you know, podcast, but we just, we love football. We love college football and college football has been, I mean, just awesome this season. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess I'll frame this, you know, 
maybe like one one or two teams that you're just like really loving so far, maybe back into um, get to the playoff, maybe outside of like the Georgia, Michigan, and mm-hmm. then a couple teams maybe in that in that in that tier as well of the rankings who like you think maybe will end up a disappointment or have been a disappointment so far for uh, for this year. Yeah, so I think that outside of Georgia and Michigan, I think Texas is in a really good spot. I think Oklahoma is also in a really good spot. I think the winner of that game this weekend has all every chance in the world to run the table and make the college football playoffs. So this is a huge, huge Red River rivalry game that we're getting on uh, on Saturday because that the winner of that game is the clear, clear favorite to win the Big 12. These are the only two ranked Big 12 teams right now. And then also uh, to win the Big 12, run the table, and – make the comfortable playoffs. So this is a huge, huge game. I'm, I'm big fans of both teams. I have both in my top 10. Florida State scared me a lot. I had them uh, in my number four team in the preseason. They have scared me a little bit with that run defense, but I still think they're going to be good enough to get in. Pac-12s looked awesome, man. I think no matter who wins the Pac-12 this year should definitely get into the comfortable playoff because I think that is definitely the best conference by far in college football this year, which is unfortunate that they're they're it's dying so after funny. this year. It's so it's, funny. It's so <laughs> awful, man. But um, – so anyone in the Pac-12, I'm, I, I think, should be in the playoff, uh, whoever comes out of that conference. If you're looking for a team that I'm I'm not buying, uh, I'm going to say the team that I've grown up a fan of my entire life. I don't believe in oh, Penn no. State this year, man. I don't. I think this is a team that has serious, serious, serious issues on offense. Uh, the run game has been non-existent because the offensive line can't get any push. In the run oh. game, Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton are one of the best running back duos in the country. They can't do anything with the blocking that they're getting from the offensive line. And Olu Fashanu has every chance to be a top five pick, and he's been probably the best pass blocker in the country this year. He's still not a good run blocker, and the rest of this offensive line is not really good in pass or run blocking. So that's a problem. The receiving core is a big problem as well. They're lucky that Drew Allers is stud. Like they're lucky that he he's kind of like Drake May, where it's like. The offense is just not helping him out really at all. Um, but he's been so good that it's, it's stayed afloat. But once you start playing the Ohio States and Michigans, man, you know, teams that have great defenses but also can score on you because really Penn State's played really good defenses in Illinois and <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> but it's just like they can't score. So it's like right. it's not, it can't be a game when they can't score. Um, but once you start playing those teams, man, there are a lot of people that are still buying Penn State as a national championship contender. I don't see it at all, man. I, I don't think this offense is going to be good enough to get into the college football playoff. I think it's another 10-2 season for Penn State um, rather than one that, that finally leads to the, the final four. Wow, that's that's hard, harsh words. I mean, yeah, that's your that's your team. I mean, I know Drew, it, it, Drew it, it Lowry leads. Heart, man. He leads the. I saw a stat today. He leads the country in like completions or attempts without a pick or something. And he's the, been awesome. The, he's been awesome. Been, receiving, they can't get open though, and I'm afraid of when they finally play Michigan and Ohio State. Like they're they could get and the defense has been awesome. Yeah, but I, I want to defense right now. It looks like the best defense in college football. But you got to remember they're playing Illinois, Iowa, Iowa. <laughs> Delaware like it has been easy like the easiest schedule we could have and they play UMass next week after this bye week so they're gonna look <laughs> phenomenal next week and everyone's gonna like wow they're gonna beat Ohio State and then I think it's gonna be a, a wake-up reality check for them so I think I'm actually going to that Ohio State game I'm very excited I'm gonna be sitting hopefully in the press box and I'll do my best not to be cheering because I'm sure as you guys know uh it is very number one rule there's no more rules not to cheer in the press number box. one rule but uh, but yeah, man, I I just I, I don't I don't buy Penn State as a as a comparable playoff team this year. But I, I can be proven okay. wrong. Maybe they fix it. Maybe Drew Aller is just that good. Uh, the defense stays fantastic. But 
the rest of the offense besides Drew Aller, man, really scares me. So that, that's one team that I would say I'm just I'm not buying. And USC, their defense too. I'm, I'm even though I picked them to go to the playoff before the season started, that defense scares the hell out of me, man. And I don't I don't know if they're gonna be able to to run the table and make it to the comfortable playoff with that defense, even though their offense is probably the best in the country. Yeah, we uh, that's that, that that hurts. I mean, I'm sure that hurts to like say, but hopefully they prove you yeah. wrong. I mean, hopefully I guess that. for for your sake, um, it was cracking me up though because I saw that Drew Lar stat and the Brady Cook like Mizzou accounts were in the replies calling him like check down Drew because Brady has the like <laughs> SEC record for like the most like pass attempts without yeah. a pick or in, in that he got that against Vandy, so that was funny. Um, only other thing on that note, I know me and Peyton, big Washington fans, we want Washington to uh to go far. I, I, I like believe in that offense, especially. But, yeah, yeah, they're they're fantastic. They got they have a they're like the they have the defense that USC wants, where it's just like just be good enough. Like they're a mm-hmm. good enough defense. USC has a, an atrocious defense. Like USC's defense has been um, basically an average defense in terms of the national landscape, but they've also played a super easy schedule. So when USC they got Notre Dame next week. Uh, and they obviously play Washington and Oregon, like two great offenses. Like that's going to be a, a wake up call for them. And you see, or you saw Colorado put up 41 points on them this, this past weekend. So yeah, uh, Washington has an amazing offense with the coaching staff, with Penix, who might be the Heisman favorite right now with that receiving core. Uh, and the defense is good enough. Oregon, amazing offense as well. Uh, and their defense is, is more than good enough. It's actually been a really great defense so far this season. So they're another school that I think has a great shot at it too. Um, but yeah, Washington, man, they have they have all this, the chances in the world, and all really it comes down to next weekend. I mean, I'm excited for that mm-hmm. Oregon game they got. That's a huge, huge game. Um, that's going to be probably one of the best games of the season. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped for that one. It was a thriller last year, if I remember yeah, right. It was. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's going to be awesome. I we're just excited, and we're obviously we're very glad Mizzou is like in the mix with just being fun and and having a good year. Um, but yeah, I mean. College football is awesome, and we're looking forward to uh to Mizzou LSU Max. Thank you very much for coming. We'll uh um we'll let you go. Go maybe enjoy a meatball sub now that I I put it in your brain. But uh, <laughs> oh my dude, I'm I'm getting hungry now. I haven't had lunch yet, so I might. Actually I I actually that. I heard my stomach growl during this, so I might uh I might I might have to figure out what I'm at for lunch. Yeah, also are, credit credit to you. Me, me and Peyton <laughs> usually just bring it up when uh when Kenny's dogs go go wild in the background. So credit to you for just uh breezing through it. I didn't even I didn't even hear it, man. So yeah, oh, I didn't. okay. I had to mute myself for about 10 minutes there. I couldn't talk or do anything. <laughs> we, uh, we did an interview yesterday. They have yesterday. takes. Yeah, we did an interview yesterday. Uh, but I'm not going to uh, say who it was. I don't want to embarrass them. But we had an interview yeah. yesterday, and uh, the person's dogs were going crazy during it. And it, was just, it was like almost like we had to stop at some point. And, like they, they had to like, you know, take care of it. But, it was, yeah, it was bad. So this was, you know, I'm already used to that in the last couple of days. So this was, this was nothing, really. They get their, they get takes. They have takes. They just want, you know, yeah, they, they wanna, do they're for sure. You heard. Um, all right. Well, Max, thank you so much. We'll have you, we'll have you back on, um, you know, definitely sometime soon for sure. When uh, Caleb Williams is a bear, you can do a one-on-one with Peyton about why oh. he might help him win one game. Maybe they, they got to fix everything else first, man. I, I mean, they are as <laughs> a train wreck right now. What's going on in Chicago, but I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. Thanks, Max. Take care.
This is the Unwritten Rule presented by Bet Online.